Same Soul Productions presents Venice. Our pacing in this tour may be different than your pacing in real life. Feel free to pause as needed to rewind or fast forward. We won't be offended, I promise. Piazza San Marco, or St. Mark's Square, is the main square of the city of Venice, which Napoleon once called the world's most beautiful drawing room. We'll start at the far west end of the square, opposite the Basilica. Though the square is over two and a half acres, it doesn't feel like it. To the right of the Basilica is the Campanile, a giant bell tower that looms over the square. The buildings to the left of the square are offices which were originally built around 1500 in the Renaissance style. While the buildings across from that to your right, the south end of the square, were built about 100 years later and are a little bit more involved. You'll notice that all three classical column types are on display. Doric, Ionic, and Corinthian, a practice that you'll also find at the Colosseum. The final wall of buildings are the ones behind you, completely opposite the Basilica. They were built by Napoleon and are in the neoclassical style that attempted to bridge the other two buildings. There are often musicians in the cafes around the square, a tribute to the musical history of the city which gave us Vivaldi. We'll pay more attention to St. Mark's Basilica in another episode, so for now, find your way across the square to the Campanile. When the bell tower was originally constructed in 1173, it also served as a lighthouse to the Grand Canal. The top of the tower has been rebuilt several times, usually after it was destroyed by a fire or struck by lightning. One time, in fact, in 1403, the city was celebrating that they had won a battle against uh, Genoa, and they had a big bonfire and accidentally lit their own bell tower on fire. Uh, besides the occasional fire, the tower stood until 1902, when it completely collapsed in on itself. Fortunately, the way that it collapsed also meant that there was very little damage to anything else, and the only casualty was the caretaker's cat. The tower was rebuilt over the next decade, Dovera y Comera, or where it was and how it was. Walk past the Campanile toward the Pink Doge's Palace. This area is the lowest and most flood-prone part of Venice. High tides occur throughout the year, but the worst are in March and November, when the barometric pressure pushes water up to the end of the Adriatic. The round white stones that you can see on the ground let water up and serve as a warning of the flooding. At the exit of the Campanile is a stone plaque about three feet above ground level, which marks the high water mark of a flood that occurred in 1966, where the water rose six feet. Inside the Doge's Palace, there's also a little exhibit that shows different high water marks from different years to give you an idea of just how severe the flooding in Venice can be. In 2006, the stones of the square were all removed, sand was added, and the stones were replaced in an effort to combat the flooding. As you stand at the Campanile facing the water, you can see two columns standing on their own. Start walking towards those columns. These are the columns of St. Mark and St. Todoro. They're said to have been brought to the city in 1127 as spoils of a war in the east. There are originally three columns, but the boat carrying the third capsized somewhere in the lagoon, and they just kind of gave up on it. The winged lion, the symbol of St. Mark, was taken to Paris by Napoleon after he conquered the city. It was later then returned to the city, but removed during World War II, 
and wasn't put back until 1991. Atop the other column is St. Todoro, a Byzantine saint who was the patron saint of Venice before St. Mark claimed dibs on the city. He's depicted as killing a dragon because a few hundred years after he died, people decided he was into that sort of thing. In the 1700s, public executions were held between these two columns, and some superstitious Venetians still avoid walking between the two columns. Keep walking toward the water and look out to the left. Out in the distance, you can see a strip of land that protects Venice from the sea and the many enemy navies that were envious of the city's riches. Most of the lagoon on this side of that sandbar is actually shallow enough that you can technically walk across it, but it is not recommended. This also made naval assault basically impossible, and meant that Venice was the only great medieval city that didn't need a wall. More directly across from where you stand is the church of Giorgio Maggiore. You can spot it by looking for the mini Campanile-looking bell tower. The church was built in the late 1500s by Andre Palladio, and is considered one of the church was built in the late 1500s by Andrea Palladio, in, who is considered one of the most influential architects of all time. The facade of this building probably looks familiar because it inspired basically everything down to modern American government buildings. Right in front of you is a collection of the city's famous gondolas. Due to the shallow nature of the lagoon, these shallow bottom boats were designed to get around the city. You'll notice that the boat isn't actually symmetrical, but instead curves to the side a little bit. This allows the gondolier to paddle on one side of the boat and have it go in a straight line. The boats move about three miles an hour and are all painted black. This is because of a 17th century law aimed at eliminating competition between nobles who were trying to have the fanciest gondola. There are currently about 400 gondolier licenses in the city, and when one of them dies, it passes to his widow. If you want to walk a little bit more, you can continue to the bridge just past the end of the Doge's Palace. From the center of this bridge, you can see the Bridge of Size, which connects the Doge's Palace to the prison on the opposite side of the canal. We'll talk about this more inside of the Doge's Palace. But it was originally called the Prison Bridge until the 19th century when Lord Byron romanticized the last view of freedom the prisoners walking across the bridge would have and renamed it the Bridge of Size. If you go over one more bridge, you can see the monument to Victor Emmanuel II, the first king of Italy who unified the country in the late 1800s. There's more on him in Rome in his big, giant memorial, but it's also kind of cool to see this one too. That's St. Mark's in a nutshell. There'll be more on the specific sites like St. Mark's Basilica, the Doge's Palace, and St. Mary's of Health across the way uh, in other episodes. Thank you.